Now that's what I call Stanford football. Boy, I love it when we do that to them. That was fun. I enjoyed that. That was cool. And we're going to have a lot of great things to talk about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Sunday, September 12th, 2021. Hi. How you doing? I imagine if you're a Stanford fan, you're in a pretty good mood right now. I certainly am, even though I'm fresh off the plane from L.A., we have a lot to bring to you on this episode of the TreeCast as we break down Stanford's tremendous win, 42-28 over the USC Trojans. Trojans ranked number 14th in the country heading into the game. Favored by, what, 17 and a half by the wise guys in Vegas coming into it? <laughs> the Cardinal had other ideas. We'll get all the perspectives on this game and that result with help from Stanford Cardinal head coach David Shaw. You will also hear from Cardinal quarterback Tanner McKee, Stanford running back Nathaniel Pete, and Cardinal cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly, and plus a one-on-one chat with Stanford inside linebacker Jacob Mangum Farrar. Great to see him back out on the field and enjoy catching up with JMF in the tunnel at the Coliseum after the game. Great to have you with us, and what a great way. Boy, my, my first college football game of the year live and in person, my 29th year of following Stanford football, and wow, that was, I picked a good one. That was uh, that was a, that was pretty neat. You know, say what you want to about the, about the Trojans and USC football, whether you love them, whether you hate them. Great atmosphere at the Coliseum, and uh, you always get a little extra juice when those games are played on a Saturday night. Uh, at the L.A. Coliseum, and Stanford certainly showed that juice almost right from the jump. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. My 29th season, as mentioned, following Stanford football. Season number eight of Pac-12 Network play-by-play is underway. Man, I got Stanford Santa Clara women's soccer coming up this time next week. Battle of champions. Can't wait for that. And uh, looking forward to diving deeper and deeper into the fall sports season. Um, USC probably should have known what was coming when its kicker got booted from the game for targeting on the opening kickoff. (laughs) I guess Parker Lewis can lose. Stanford's second possession of the game began at its own 13 and it ended in the end zone on its very first play. Nathaniel Pete, an 87-yard touchdown over the left side. Big block from tight end Bradley Archer to help spring Pete for the big gain and the score. The fifth longest touchdown run in Stanford history, 7-0 Cardinal. Early second quarter, SC tied it up on a 15-play, 95-yard drive. But then Stanford responded by driving to the USC 5 with with help from a couple of USC penalties. And that set up the game's key sequence. More on that in just a moment, but first... This reminder, it's that time of year again. All eyes turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. The NFL now officially underway in college football, wrapping up week number two. 
And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. That's open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Three things you need to know about Stanford and USC and the Cardinals' convincing 42 to 28 win over the Trojans. And we begin with number one. <laughs> And we'll take you back to what I thought was the key, the game's key sequence. Uh, midway through the second quarter, Stanford with third and goal from the USC five and up set or check check that tied at seven apiece, and Austin Jones got nailed for a two yard loss. Stanford never really established anything running up the middle. That forced Josh Cardi to come on and kick a twenty five yard field goal. Stanford's up 10-7. but USC lined up in the neutral zone. That made it fourth and goal from the three. And David Shaw decided to take the points off the board, send the offense back out there. I'm in the radio booth, the Stanford radio booth, with Scott Reese, the play-by-play man on my left, and John Plass, the analyst on my right, and we were all shooting each other shocked looks when we saw the offense go out there. But off a bootleg, Tanner McKee somehow just got it to Elijah Higgins. Touchdown, Stanford, and the Cardinal up 14-7. David Shaw, riverboat gambler. After the game, I asked Shaw what went into that sequence. So we ran the ball on third down, just trying to get a couple more yards. As long as we were four yards or inside, we're going for it on fourth down. So that decision was made. We didn't get enough yards to go for it, so we kicked it. And uh, when we got the penalty, hey, we're going back back, back and going for it. Um, the idea was coming to today and be aggressive. That's where we're going to be. Yeah, Stanford being aggressive. We also saw that when the Cardinal pulled off a four-play, two-minute drill for a touchdown right before the half that gave Stanford the 21-10 lead at the break. And that particular uh, play, the uh, play that led to the uh, fourth-down touchdown uh, that put Stanford ahead 14-7, that was a lead that Stanford would keep the rest of the way. But aggression is nothing without execution. And Tanner McKee tells how Stanford was able to pull off that touchdown play. Coach Shaw called the play. I got pretty excited because that, that's one of my favorite plays to run. Um, I came around on the bootleg and there was a guy kind of there that we were not expecting. So I had to take a, a longer loop than I had to buy a little bit of time. And Elijah did a great job getting separation and then uh, getting obviously enough separation to score a touchdown. Aggression plus execution. Stanford had 10 possessions. Eight of them ended in USC territory. And one of the ones that didn't was because Stanford knelt down twice and lost four yards to end up back on their side of the 50 to end the game. Stanford aggressive, but also executing much better as well on offense. Let's get to number two. Stop. Tanner time. Sorry, I, I couldn't resist, but obviously the big subplot for Stanford coming into the USC matchup was Tanner McKee taking control of the QB1 spot. And McKee, with his first start at quarterback for the Cardinal, and he and he pretty much looked the part. We'll talk more about his, his his physical attributes and his days from a physical standpoint later on in the show. But before he did anything else this week, after being officially named the starter, his first order of business was to give the team an attitude check. 
Tanner tells us how. I actually sent out a text to the team just trying to get like that dog mentality out of us. Um, obviously, uh, losing is not acceptable. And so we kind of did everything that we could to prepare for this week that we could come out and have a dominant performance tonight. Um, and obviously, we have a ton of things that we can improve on. Um, but I felt like we definitely had a better attitude this week for sure. And we had a great week of practice. Um, and so it's nice that uh, we was able to pay off. That's Tanner McKee. And again, we'll talk more about his night in a bit, but uh, his leadership already apparent and perhaps making and paying off big dividends uh, already in the season. Let's finish up three things with number three. And to me, overall, this game was won on defense. And the centerpiece of their efforts. Caillou Blue Kelly's 31-yard pick six that put Stanford ahead 28-13 with five minutes left in the third quarter. Kelly breaking down his big play. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were in a quarter's coverage, so, you know, I can't really bite too much on the short stuff, but I alerted my safety. I was like, hey, two's on the ball, the back went to the other side. Let's watch for slants here, you know, so I'll always be breaking for any slant. I'm breaking for the um, sluggo. So when I broke, you know, I was breaking top shoulder, you know, unfortunately, um, Drake dropped me and I was just there for the, make the play. But we saw um, double slants for the play. That's how we kind of got a good beat on it and made Drake actually pause and not actually follow follow through the whole slant. So we were able to shorten that slant and just able to make plays. When we needed to. Yeah, that's two eye popping interceptions for Kelly already this season, by the way. And Kelly with with seven tackles and three passes defensed along with that pick. But much of his best work was done against USC superb wide receiver Drake London. Kelly on that dynamite matchup. First of all, all respect to Drake London. You know, he is what they say he is. He's a great receiver, fluid, comes out of his routes well, smart player and physical. You know, he should be playing this game for a long time. As far as um, my mentality going in, you know, it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a battle. You know, he's good, I'm good. He was going to win some, I was going to win some. Um, as far as my like mentality going up to him, I was just confident. You know, I had to go in with confidence knowing that I could press, knowing I could play off. It was a lot of the mental side of the game that helped me cover um, Drake Lennon, just knowing by his splits, you know, his alignment and stuff like that. Um, down in distance, plays a lot of play into it, and just the communication you might pick up. So that always comes in when you're playing a great receiver like Drake. I love the confidence by Caillou Blue Kelly. Uh, London was targeted 10 times, but made just four catches. He did get a 39-yarder, and he did score a late touchdown, but... Drake London was nowhere near as effective as he usually is, and much of that was Caillou Blue Kelly's doing. Now, he had a lot of help from his friends in the secondary. More on that in a bit. But Caillou Blue Kelly quickly becoming one of the Pac-12's better defensive players right before our very eyes. Those are three things. Some other brief numbers and notes of interest uh, from this game from a Stanford perspective. Uh, Nathaniel Pete finishing with 115 yards on just six carries. Elijah Higgins, Stanford's leading receiver with five catches for 67 yards. Stanford four for four in the red zone. All of them touchdowns. That's pretty impressive stuff. As is this stat line from Tanner McKee, 16-23 for 234 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. McKee actually threw for more yards on the night than USC's Keaton Slovis, who threw for just 223 yards and took took 42 passes to get there. If you had told me before the game that McKee would throw for more yards than Keaton Slovis, I would have looked at you sideways. But Slovis, not sacked, but he was pressured on key downs, and he couldn't find open guys. The Stanford defense just suffocated Keaton Slovis in that passing attack. I mean, what a turnaround, right? I mean, two years ago, the USC student section was chanting Keaton Slovis at the end of that game. 
Saturday night, they were all chanting, fire Helton. Shame. The tree fence made its return. The Boo Birds made their return to the LA Coliseum from the USC fan base. They were not happy. But the tree fence made its return, and so did Jacob Mangum Farrar, inside linebacker for the Cardinal. He missed last week, was a late scratch. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see uh, what, what he could do and get extended looks at him from a playing perspective, but we just haven't gotten it over the last couple of years. Barely played in 2019, barely played in 2020. Did not play last week, but made his return to the field against the USC Trojans. A big moment for him in a lot of different ways. After the game was over, in the tunnel, just outside the Stanford locker room, I didn't get a chance to hear the Sea House chant, unfortunately. Huh, oh, well. But just outside the Stanford locker room, I caught up with Jacob Mangum Farrar, and the first thing I asked him for were his keys to Stanford victory from the defense's perspective. So they had a really good team. Um... I think what it took was just being physical and execution. Um, last game, we weren't physical enough, and we didn't execute, and I think we did that well this game. Yeah, and it certainly seemed like the tone was set by the long touchdown run by Nathaniel Pete, but it was it was maintained as well by the defense. Front to back, it seemed like a fantastic effort. How did you see it out there? Yeah, I saw it the same way. I think offense, they did a really good job of uh, putting us in positions where momentum uh, was on our side. Um, that, that long touchdown really helped us and really gave us some confidence on defense as well. Was there a moment where you were out there and you're like, oh, we got him. We got him right where we want him? So all game, I mean, of course we go out there confidently, but um, our whole thing is bury him. We have to bury him. We're not letting up until that we see, you know, four zeros, three zeros up there. So we're just trying to stay confident and stay uh, physical the whole game. And obviously it's your return to the field. We weren't able to make it back in time for the season opener last week. Um, how disappointing was that result last week with you not being able to participate? And how much fun was it out there for you to be out there this week? So, of course, I wanted to play, like, going back home to Texas, but I understood that, you know, it's, it's a long season and, you know, there's a lot of football left to play. Um, but I saw this as a, as a bright side, you know, as a silver lining and a win because, you know, it all comes full circle. Uh, this was a game that I played in two years ago and unfortunately had gotten injured. Um, so me, yeah, it was, it's a, it, was, it was really sweet for me and Ricky to come here win um, two years later. Secondary, I thought was fantastic. Lights out out there. What did you see from them today? Oh, yeah, Caillou Kelly, um, Noah Williams, Jimmy Wyrick, freshman stepping up uh, at, at the nickel spot, um, Zara and Manley. <clears throat> they all did their thing. They all stayed, you know, stayed calm and executed. They did really well. All right, as we wrap this up, where can this team go from here and keep building on it? You got to get on another plane, finish out the road dog life for one more week yeah. before coming back home to face UCLA. What can Stanford do to keep this going, especially starting again next week? I think we just have to stay the course, work hard, work hard in practice, and just execute. Those are, those are our keys. That's the key to win. Good to see you back out there. Can't wait to see a lot more of you as the season goes along. Best of luck, best of health, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Good chat with Jacob Mangum Ferrar. He made a couple of tackles on the night and, and rotated quite often with Ricky Miezon, Levani Damuni, and Tristan Sinclair. And I'd imagine that that's kind of similar to – uh, to the kind of rotation that uh, Stanford defensive coordinator Lance Anderson um, and David Shaw uh, certainly want to try to run throughout the course of most ball games. Great to see Mangum Farrar back out there. Before the game, I, I had heard that cornerback Ethan Bonner would not play. In fact, Ethan didn't even make the trip, didn't even, 
didn't even make the plane ride uh, down to L.A. And for a secondary that's already missing Jonathan McGill and Salim Turner-Muhammad for most, if not all, of the year at this point, uh, that's certainly not an ideal development. And I was, I was holding my breath for the defensive backs, especially against a quarterback like Eden Slovis and a wide receiver like Drake London. Three and a half hours later, I was going, man, these defensive backs were the stars of the show. True freshman Jimmy Wyrick got the start. I probably the last time I saw Jimmy Wyrick's name was maybe the last, when the uh, when Stanford uh, made its announcements for the recruiting class as far as who was coming in and, and, and heading to the farm in the fall. Outside of that, I quite honestly, and if Jimmy if Jimmy's listening, if his family if his family's listening, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I completely forgotten that Jimmy Wyrick was on the team until I saw number 18 running around out there on the very first play for USC. He got the start as a true freshman. And he gave up a play or two early on, but after that he settled down nicely, and, and he, he shut down he shut down a wheel route at one point uh, early in the second half. He shut down a wheel route by a USC running back like a veteran. Wheel routes very difficult to defense. Asked the Colorado defense for their thoughts on that. Oh, they had a And M. Oh, they had him. But Wyrick shut down that play like a pro, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well done by that young man. Well done by Zaron Manley. He made plays. Safety play from Noah Williams and Kendall Williamson seemed much improved from last week. Overall, the defensive backs, they came ready to play right from the start. David Shaw had his own shout-outs for the DBs after the game. We're going and playing with a couple guys that weren't destined to be starters but came out and played great. And Zaron Manley came out there and played really well. Um... You know, we had a couple of young guys coming out there uh, making plays as well, uh, which is huge, huge. But Kai Kelly um, is the guy, you know. Kai has got a chance to be really special. Um, he showed that again tonight. And, and, and 15, he's really good. He's really good. He's going to make some plays. Um, but I think Kai really probably opened some eyes today. He was on a lot of freshman All-American lists when he was a freshman. Last year, he was never completely healthy in our shortened season. Uh, but now he's healthy playing with a lot of confidence and playing really, really well. Yeah, terrific stuff. Terrific stuff. If I, had to pick, if I had to pick one position unit that was most impressive to me against USC, it would be the Stanford defensive backs. I mean, that coverage forced Keaton Slovis out of the pocket, forced him to check it down, or forced Aaron throws, or sometimes any combination of those three. In fact, Slovis had just one completion of more than 20 yards. Just one. That was it and averaged 5.31 yards per pass attempt. That's it. Kudos to the Stanford secondary. Well done job by those guys. More breakdown in just a moment or so, but first got to bring you some exciting news. As the Believe Podcast Network is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most, you'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. They'll select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whomever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. 
playactionpools.com. Sign up for the contest. Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for y'all, your office sports pools. I'd imagine that Saturday night's result maybe busted a few pools if you're into that sort of thing down at the Coliseum, Stanford. 17-point underdogs, eh? All right. 14-point winners over the USC Trojans. And we mentioned Stanford's efforts on defense, largely led, I thought, by the secondary, with also good moments from Thomas Booker up front, and Dalen Wade Perry with a couple of uh, big plays, too. But it's easier to play defense, of course, when you have a lead. And that lead was provided by Nate Pete's 87-yard dash for a touchdown. A big play, big play, especially early on, especially after Stanford's defense had forced a three and out on the Trojans' first possession. Tremendous play, and as David Shaw pointed out afterwards, a tremendous lift for the squad. Okay, so we saw Nate take off, and there's some great, great blocks, uh, great blocks down the field, great blocks at the line of scrimmage. Um, so that just kind of gave us a lift and said, hey, you know, and then we got to stop. And I said, hey, you know, we can play with these guys. And, and now can we play them? We, guys, we, can, we, can, we can dominate. And we can play at a high level and, and really score a bunch of points and get a bunch of stops. So I think that play really got everybody uh, enthusiastic about getting our jobs done. Yeah, big, big play. One that puts uh, Nathaniel Pete in the Stanford record books with the fifth longest rush in Stanford football history. And uh, that's uh, – that's not a bad way to go. I mean, Bill Rogers still has the record. <laughs> you got to go back to 1952 when Rogers ran for 96 uh, against Oregon State. Uh, Casey Moore had that 94-yard touchdown run against the Bears in 1999 big game. I, I was there for that one. I was in the building for that one, not for Bill Rogers. I'm I'm not that old. And Christian McCaffrey with a 90-yard run against the Bears in the 2016 big game tied for the third longest. Uh, running Stanford history along with Dave Lewis, who ran for 90 yards, a 90-yard uh, touchdown against uh, Tulane in 1966. But right behind those guys, Nate Pete with his 87-yard dash. But outside of that, it was largely tough sledding for Stanford running backs. Austin Jones, 10 carries, 13 yards. Take away that 87-yard run by Pete, and Stanford running backs had just 21 carries for just 46 yards. Not exactly what you would think of when you, when you think about what a Stanford running attack should be. Now, I'll point out those numbers. David Shaw will tell you to look behind and beyond those mere numbers when looking at Stanford's running game against USC. Forget about the rushing yards. I thought we played really well up front on the offensive line. Um, there's some tough blitzes that we had to pick up, um, that we were able to pick up. Um, there's some tough rushing yards that we had to give with a lot of line movement, a lot of blitzes, a lot of, a lot of guys um, going come from different places, secondary blitzes. Um, but the guys played really well up front, and I think we're only going to build on this. Yeah, there is that, and even though Jones was bottled up for the most part, he still had uh, two catches uh, for 54 yards, including a big 49-yarder to help set up Stanford's uh, final touchdown. Uh, before the half. And E.J. Smith, we saw him in some different roles, lining up in the slot, 
uh, lining up in the backfield, and, and just kind of being a Swiss Army Knife type guy. As he got a couple of catches as well. So even though Stanford running backs, except for one play, largely didn't fare that great on the ground, they were still able to contribute in other ways as well. And oh, by the way, Austin Jones with superb pass protection on a play in the second half that allowed uh, Tanner McKee to complete a big ball down the field. You ain't playing running back for David Shaw unless you can pass protect. And Jones helping to provide that protection once again. Now, all of that being said, from the offensive line's perspective, still not quite as much push as I'd like to see. Stanford really didn't get much up the middle all day. And, and there were times when Stanford just, just got pushed back, especially up the middle. So it was awesome to get that home run ball or as David Shaw called it afterwards, a three-pointer from distance. But Stanford's running game and run blocking still at this point appears to be very much a work in progress. Would certainly love to see that improve going forward in a big way. And it's going to need to. It's going to need to. As for Tanner McKee, fantastic night for him overall. 16-23 for 234 yards. And even though there were a couple of passes that he missed, he didn't make any bad throws. I can't think of any bad decisions that he made, anything that he did that made me go, oh my God, what, what, what is he doing? No, no, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head as I go back through that game in my head. Now, granted, I'm running on, what, like two hours sleep or so. <laughs> I love 7.30 kickoffs. <laughs> God. And 7 a.m. flights. Maybe next time I'll, I'll take the 9 o'clock flight back to the Bay Area. But, but, but still... Uh, I can't think of any bad throws that McKee had during the course of that game. And by and large, he made the kind of throws that allowed his wide receivers to help him. Perfect ball placement on some deep throws that require a little bit of touch. Firing some strikes on some slants. It's good to see that back in the playbook. feel like we haven't seen too much of that over the last few years. And McKee... Showing poise and a little bit of moxie as well. So I, I think McKee's first career collegiate start has to largely go down as a positive. And hopefully it gets better from here. Now, I was on the field at the end of the game. And as the players were walking off, a few of the Stanford guys, a few of the Stanford players, defensive players said to each other, statement win. Statement win. What was that statement Stanford sent? Nate Pete has some thoughts on that. Um, I think it just shows who we are. Um, made a lot of mistakes on the way, but it shows that we have a lot of potential and we have a lot of playmakers on this team. Um, I feel like that uh, last week we didn't show who we really were, but I feel like this week uh, we were able to show a lot of people that uh, we were play a lot of downhill running and, and win. That's Nathaniel Pete post-game, and – you know, to many folks, this was a shocking win. Not a whole lot of folks were certainly expecting that outcome. Not just a Stanford win, but the way that it happened. So a shocking win, yeah, maybe to many, but not to David Shaw. I still think we played our best football, but we played really well. Um, so when you play well, you can't be surprised by the score. Succinctly put by David Shaw. And, and look, I, I, I thought Stanford would play better. 
But I'd be lying if I told you I thought they blow USC out. I, I certainly didn't think that USC was. Uh, I mean, yeah, they they got the the, the thirty to seven win over San Jose State, but it wasn't a particularly impressive one. It didn't leave me walking away from that game going, "Oh my goodness, how how in the world is Stanford going to beat these guys?" No, now I knew Stanford had to seriously upgrade its level of play from against Kansas State, and if it did, they would certainly have a chance. Stanford did, and they had more than a chance. They got on the plane. Saturday night and headed home happy with the win. It just goes to show what this can look like. And hopefully it gets even better from here. It's going to need to. So it's it's incredible. In the first two weeks of the season, Stanford fans have experienced both extremes. Just depression among the Cardinal fan base after that result against K-State. And joy and jubilation after Stanford's result against USC on Saturday night. And there's no doubt about it. This result, I mean, look, there's still a long way to go. I'm going to say the exact same thing I pretty much said after last week's show as well, after the Kansas Kansas State game, except the tone here is a little bit different. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of football left to be played. This is just the beginning, or actually chapter 2 of 12, hopefully 13. But this result certainly opens up some new possibilities. After the Vanderbilt game, I've I've often said that second quarter of the schedule for Stanford, that's the one that kind of gets overlooked. I mean, everyone said the looked at the first three road games of the season and said, oh boy, that's really tough. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty tough, but then follow that up with UCLA, Oregon, and then a short a short week in a road trip to Arizona State. That ain't easy either. That being said, this result against USC kind of opens up some possibilities for the next four weeks overall and suddenly it becomes a lot more interesting as far as what Stanford might be able to do against those opponents by the way let me just take a brief moment here Oregon kudos man kudos nice job by the Ducks for going into the horseshoe and taking care of business big 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 win for the Pac-12 and for the Oregon Ducks Hopefully they don't have similar results against Stanford on October the 2nd. But certainly everything becomes a lot more interesting for Stanford now going forward. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and make plans for Pasadena just yet. I don't think it's anywhere near reasonable to do anything like that. I'm not making plans for Pasadena right now for January 1st. Tempe in early October. I may have to check out some uh, some plane flights and some airfares uh, after I get done uh, with this show. Now, all of that being said, Stanford now one and one on the season. One and one had best not become one and two, especially against a Vanderbilt team that lost to East Tennessee State. Only scored three points against those guys. Now, Vandy did come back to beat Colorado State on the road Saturday night. So, so there is that, but still, still, Stanford is not well served dropping one on the road to the Commodores. Historically, Stanford doesn't get where it wants to go unless it beats USC. That's proven. 
And it really won't get to where it needs to go unless it takes care of business in the North. But right now, Stanford's got to take care of Vandy, right? I mean, after all, beating them would, would just mean more. Pac-12 SEC, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not going to Nashville, but I'm in. I'm in for it. Love to get your thoughts on Stanford football and that result. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter. That's the best way for me to see your thoughts on Stanford football or anything else Stanford athletics related. Looking forward to coming back at you on Thursday with a full preview of Stanford versus Vanderbilt. By the way, quick note, was nice to see KJ Costello, former Stanford quarterback, uh, hanging around in the tunnel after the game and uh, sharing sharing some pretty cool moments with some guys on the team hanging out with uh, Stanford offensive coordinator Tavita Pritchard. Uh, those two were having a nice chat, and, and uh, KJ was hanging out with a few other folks um, as well. So so nice to see him back. Nice to see him back. Nice to see fans back. Nice to be back in the building with fans, even though they were with USC. Yeah, oh well. But good to be back. Good to be back. Good to be back in the mix. I can't wait till September the 25th, but before that, Stanford needs to take, to take care of business against Vanderbilt. And we will preview that game for you on the next episode of the TreeCast. You heard from David Shaw. You heard from Jacob Mangum Farrar, our special guest on the show. You also heard from Tanner McKee, Caillou Blue Kelly, and Nathaniel Pete. And we, you will hear from me next time on Thursday. Until then, don't drink and drive. If you do, the, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. Please. Talk to you next time. Thank you for being with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarendon on the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs>